Seahawks fans wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstead, here with Keith Myers. Keith, we're back here again. Another win, uh, playoff spot secured, and uh, life's pretty good. And not only playoff uh, spot secured, but back in first place um, in the division. I know we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, very surprising and unlikely back in first place in the division. Yeah, but thanks. Thanks, Jets. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's crazy. You know, it was a kind of a weird situation at the end of that game, too. We'll talk about it, but uh, where uh, they decide to go for it on fourth and four at the, at the end of that game instead of kicking that 37-yard, not while well, it would have been a 47-yard field goal, but they were at the 37-yard line of the Jets, decided to go for it. That's fine if they think they can make it, They're, you know. Um, but they, they turned to Goff to throw a long ball past 20 yards and that's not his, his deal. And it fell incomplete. And, uh, that was, that was it. Jets win. Jets probably ruined their chance at Trevor Lawrence in the draft by winning that game. But you know what? For the players, it's just more important in the moment to, to get the victory. And, uh, oh yeah. The players don't care about, um, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Well now Jacksonville is in, in kind of the, 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 the the seat there to, to take that pick so it'll be interesting and one and one of the people most pleased about that development is Trevor Lawrence yeah because he came out earlier in the year and said like you know that he feels like the team that he's on could beat them and they're just poorly run and they he's like why should I go play for them um and so for him to have now have an opportunity to not have to play for the Jets. I'm sure he's ecstatic. Yeah, and stay in the Southeast area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Seahawks stuff. Um, well, first, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. It's um, holiday season, man. It's uh, almost um, Christmas and all of that. No longer, like, I've got some time off and feeling pretty good about all of Sweet. that. Nice. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Got got the the holiday shopping done um, for the most part. How's the golf been? Golfing's golfing was good last time I went out. I <laughs> I think I shot an eighty eight. I'm I'm normally in that range. You know, I'm not uh, uh, in the seventies golfer. I don't keep a handicap or anything. I just I get out like once every couple of weeks. So what does that translate to? Twenty twenty five times a year, um, and that's if I'm lucky. I've had some back issues and stuff, so you know, typically 15 to 20 times a year. So that's the kind of golf I'm playing. Um, and yeah, but uh, the thing is it's up here. It is gray yeah. pouring down rain in like 42 degrees. Yeah, yesterday was 77. You're down there. You're down there playing golf in the sun. Yeah. So. It's 77 um, degrees yesterday in December. Uh, I, I love it. Now it's supposed to be, we're, we're going out to talking stick resort, uh, golf course, um, on Christmas Eve, my wife and I, and we're playing a afternoon round of golf and, uh, yeah. I, I'm hoping to to keep playing at least to my standards, which are in the 80s, um, and and I enjoy doing that. So one of these days, I'll I'll shock myself because the first hole on uh, on Silverado, which we played on last week, 
Uh, and of course I'd never played before. And I got paired up with the guy that joined us as a, and my, my daughter was out there too. So we got paired up with a, a fourth guy. And, um, my first hole was a, uh, was a birdie on a par five. Nice. Like I just had a tremendous drive. And then I followed that up with like almost onto the green. And then my pitch shot was, um, you know, maybe 40 yards out and I hit it within six feet of the, of the, of the hole and then just putted it in. And I was like, well, that's a good start, but it's all downhill from here. And uh, sure enough, <laughs> at a few pars, you know, and, and, uh, quite a few bogeys and, and, um, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was fun. It's fun to get out. So, um, this week let's talk about, uh, injuries and, and player updates and so forth as we get started. Uh, first big thing I think this week is Josh Gordon is officially back on the roster. Uh, it cost uh, Penny Hart his job on the roster. Unfortunately, he was waived. Hope he gets, uh, you know, sent back to the practice squad if possible. But uh, having where he started the year, yeah. But yeah. having Josh Gordon though, um, in Penny shape, never offered like, anything. Well, did you, on offense. Did you see though that the Josh Gordon uh, quote? For, I can't remember who it was, but he's like up to 238 pounds with 7% body weight or body fat. So basically he's trying to look like TK. Yeah. And he's in shape and he's <laughs> ready to go, you know? So it'll be interesting to see if, um, you know, cause he hasn't been able to practice. And so in mm-hmm. theory, unless him and, and Wilson have been getting together in the off hours, which is entirely possible. Uh, but he it did have to be in a normal year. I he don't did have to go so through this year. He did have to go through COVID, COVID protocols. Stuff. So that would have been kind of, you know, eh, nobody's going to talk mm-hmm. about that, but, um, we'll see what kind of chemistry comes into play here. You know, if he gets more than a couple targets a game and, you know, and a couple pass catches a game, at least in these first two games, I'd be surprised. I mean, if he came out and had like a five or six catch game or something, that would be kind of crazy. But, um, it, it's nice to have him back as a legit third weapon that's that's potentially more consistent than David Moore. Um, something, you know, t- for me, David Moore is, he's okay, um, and he gives you some catches now and again, but he also gives you some plays where you're just perplexed, like his feet are stuck in quicksand, and, and um, they, they give him a lot of chances, a lot of touches. I think he had five touches, you know, in this game or the last game, I can't remember now, um, where he had like 15 yards on those five touches. Uh, opportunities it's, you need more from from a guy that they're they're doing some end around stuff with and all that kind of stuff it's just not working out and then the return stuff i think that job got taken away from him so yeah um i mean it's he's a guy that uh has the talent we've seen the production and then it uh the consistency just isn't there yeah. he like he'll disappear for huge stretches and um, it's, it's, it's frustrating cause you want to see a guy like that succeed, but you know, I mean, he was also a, a seventh round draft pick and, and has kicked around quite a bit, um, you know, with this team and, and earned, earned a much bigger role than you'd ever expect a seventh round draft pick to earn. Yeah. Um, He'd be a great so, fourth option, you know, on a, on a normal situation. And that's, yeah. this is going to end up being a normal situation going forward with Josh Gordon. Cause now. He's going to get pushed back a little bit. Touches are going to be fairly limited. Freddie Swain, they need to make a decision if they value Freddie Swain's skill set or, um, or, you know, and so 
and the and the Freddie Swain had that that nice reception close to the end zone, almost almost had the score there um, if he was able to keep his feet uh, down. Um, do you take that guy completely out of the out of the situation? You know, so it's I don't touches so. are going to be limited. And then you got uh, Greg Olson coming back this week as well. Yep. So uh, Freddie Swain is your slot option, um, and yeah, he can he can do a bunch of different things, but he's a slot receiver. Um, whereas David Moore is more of an outside guy. And I think at this point, um, Josh Gordon's going to be more of a slot guy. He's going to be a big slot. And uh, so I think what you're looking at is David Moore is going to play if Metcalf or Lockett come out. And then it's about who gets the, who gets the snaps when it's a three wide receiver set. Uh, is it going to be Swain or is it going to be Gordon? And my guess is it's going to be a mixture. Yeah. Well, you want to go ahead and give Josh Gordon the reps now. You know what you've got in Freddie Swain, at least this year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you're trying to, to figure out what you've got going forward into the playoffs. And so you've got to get Josh Gordon some reps just to get some rhythm with with uh, Wilson, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned Greg Olson coming back, which is crazy, uh, coming off the tear on the plantar fasci- uh, uh, or fascia in the in the foot. Um, so that's great news. I mean, that's way early, and he's only been missed three games, right? Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you're usually you're looking at like a um, type of injury that would be three months, and he's out three weeks, and is is coming back and getting ready to play and. Um, well, I mean, the only way that that is even possible is if it wasn't as as big of a tear uh, or yeah. a complete rupture as uh, was first indicated. Yep. So, and that that is what it is. Is that he? Um, you know, obviously, we, you know, we were we're told it was a tear, and it's going to be you know months out, and technically he could be back, um, but don't count on it because it's going to be a long thing. I mean, that's what we were told, and then, uh, but now he's back, and so it's a. It's not, this isn't something where it's like, oh, well, you can work your way back from it. And as long as you put in the work, you can get there. No, it's got to heal. And if the only way it's going to heal is if it's not nearly as bad as what we were told. And I, and I don't care. I'm still excited to have him back. Yeah. I mean, um, it's an experienced, experienced guy. No. Right, 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 right. Experienced guy can get you a clutch third down uh, conversion. Um, that's really what you're asking for right now. Can block in a, in yep. a situation, a, a red zone target. I mean, those are all positives that the team lacks when he's not available. Uh, Disley does yep. a great job, but behind that, there's really nothing that's consistent. Uh, Hollister's been a great pass catcher, but doesn't give you anything in the blocking game. So, well, uh, well, and they've been using Disley so much as a right tackle. Yeah. Uh, in you know, the, in recent weeks because of. Um, Brendan Shell being out. So Disley's been asked yeah. to stay in and block. I tell you what, um, and we'll talk about this, but that hide run, 50 yard touchdown run, uh, Disley was the tight end on that, um, mm-hmm. close end to uh on that right side and, and came across uh, Abuahe and, and blocked down and created that entire wall of, of uh, open space for Hyde to to scamper out to the right yeah and, i mean that's yeah that's the thing about about disley is he is one of the best blocking tight ends in the nfl and we knew that with him coming out like all the pass catching um stuff that he does is has been a bonus but we knew he was a great blocker and they have asked him to be 
a right tackle um, in recent weeks because their right tackle's been hurt and they've been ro- rolling through Abuhi and and uh, Wheeler over there and it's not been great. Um, and so they so Disley's had to to stay in there and it really has limited what the offense can do because they it's just one more one more person in coverage that's not covering so you know what I mean that, that's out I there. know so, it's the uh, I know it's the Jets and the Washington football team and Shell has been out and the Seahawks have put together back-to-back 170 yard rushing performances you know, or, mm-hmm. or at least in 170, they, they did 181 in this game. Um, so that, that bodes well. I mean, that does point to the fact that uh, they are having some success, at least with the Max Protect type stuff uh, with yeah. Disley in they're, there. They're, keep, they're keeping extra tight ends in. Um, Nick Ballor's got a few uh, plays at, at fullback, which is weird because he's a fullback in, in uh, name only, and this is the special teams guy. But, um, you know, they've been doing things they need to do in order to keep guys in and, and, and try and uh, keep Wilson from getting clobbered and uh, open up running lanes. And it's worked. It's worked really well. And, and to do so against the jets is one thing because the jets aren't a good team, mm-hmm. but to do so against Washington is an, is a different thing because Washington's front four is great. Yeah. They came into the game ranked 10th against the run and, and you know, first or second in a bunch of different categories. Uh, as far as uh, pass rush percentage, sacks, all that kind of stuff. Defense overall, they're number, mm-hmm. I think they were number three coming into that game, yep. uh, DVOA, you know, so that's legit. I mean, at one point in that game, they went to a five defensive lineman formation where they brought um, Kerrigan in um, and played with five defensive linemen. And the first thing, you know, trying to stop Seattle's run game. And so Wilson just checked out of his runs to some quick passes to, um, you know, DK Metcalf and made them, forced them out of that. And it was a great little yeah. uh, chess move by the Seahawks to keep uh, the Redskins, or not even the Redskins, the Washington football team from doing what they wanted to do defensively. I, I kind of like what we saw. You know, it's, it's crazy defense. because we kind of called that out in our last podcast when we were previewing this game, um, that this would kind of be the game plan uh, for Seattle to attack that their mm-hmm. strength by running straight into it. And I thought they did a great job. We'll talk about it a little bit more. Brandon show. We mentioned uh, there's, there's definitely a possibility that he can return this week. It's going to be a game time or, you know, close to the end of the week decision as per the norm on him. It'd be nice to get him back. Um, and then uh, Upati had a stinger in this game. That's kind of a, a repeat injury for him. And Pete said that, uh, he would remain questionable um, this week. I think they'll probably end up holding him out um, just because it's it it sounded like it was pretty significant. And then Dunbar is set to return uh, this week as well, although the, the uh, indications are that he is set. That uh, remains to be seen if that actually happens or not. So, And when we'll see how that disrupts the defensive backfield, which is actually playing really well um, overall in the last five, six weeks without him. Yeah, and actually, um, and the best cornerback on the team this year is the guy who's currently playing in his spot. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. sorry, Quentin Dunbar, I don't think you get your spot back. Because well, Pete said that. You're yeah, he did in his in his um, 
his thing on Monday, he was basically said that DJ Reed deserves to continue playing because he's played so well. And he did. He played outstanding in this game and drew a tough assignment. Um, you know, I mean, uh, McLaren is their, is their number one guy. He's their, uh, their star. And uh, DJ Reed had him and pretty much shut him down. Yeah, they did. And, and that it was, it was, I mean, yeah, their wide receivers had to combine five catches for 60 yards or something in this game. And their, their, all the yardage came from their uh, tight end, uh, Logan Thomas, that, that had a great game. I think he had 14 receptions for 101 yards. Yeah, Logan <clears> Thomas <throat> and uh, J.D. McKissick were their offense. That's it. And that's exactly, that's exactly what the Seahawks Exactly. Wanted, right? That, that, that is their, that is how they, how they design this defense is go ahead, take the three, four five yard, you know, little thing. We'll come up and make a tackle. But in order to, that means to have any success and score touchdowns, you have to string together so many consecutive plays because everything's short. Um, and eventually you'll, we'll get there on, as, on, as a, there'll be a penalty or, you know, a sack will happen or, you know, you'll misfire a throw and, your drive will stall. And that's just the way the defense is designed. And yeah, Logan Thomas had <clears throat> 874 catches for 3 million <laughs> yards, but it didn't matter. Right. They were all underneath. Right. They were, yeah, I mean, everything was short. Everything was like five yards here, six yards there. And yeah, it strung together and got some first downs and kept them on the field a little bit, but it was never enough to get them down into the end zone, not until the end of the game. You know, it's interesting because Washington had a similar game plan on their defensive side of the ball. Let's just talk about the Washington game. We'll get to the Pro Bowl stuff uh, in a little bit. Um, it, it's interesting because, you know, Seahawks Twitter, of course, is is really upset overall at this game because it just didn't go quite as blowout planned as everyone wanted it to be. And it was never really going to be that kind of a game facing a team like Washington because their defense is stellar. I mean, it really is. Mm -hmm. It's stout up front, and they do a good enough job on the back end to make things tough for you. And again, another team, Washington, tried to take away the deep ball from, from Seattle and that was the plan going in all along. Seattle probably knew that and and had a plan up front uh, to, to run the ball, to have that be the focus. Seattle came out on the very first play, ran Carson. Second play, ran Carson. Picked up a first down. We knew it was going to be one of those days, right? Um, and uh, Seattle on defense had a similar game plan. They were going to have everything up front. They were going to make Haskins dink and dunk all over the field. In the first half, Keith, Seattle was extremely successful held them to three points um, and uh, did very little. They had very little success against us. They had a lot of three and outs. Uh, Seattle was able to, to move the ball on offense uh, with their running game and uh, able to score with a touchdown with Hollister. And then Hyde had that uh, long 50-yard uh, scamper that we talked about a little earlier. And then in the second half, it was uh, it, it, kind of a schlog a little bit. So uh, Seattle went into their base defense, stayed in their base defense, basically, gave everything underneath. Uh, Washington was able to start executing a little bit um, and, and converting some third downs, marched down the field. I think they had a 97-yard drive once. They had a 67 or 66-yard drive another time for touchdowns. They didn't get the conversions, so they missed a field goal, and then they... Uh, they missed uh, or uh, extra point, and then they missed a two point conversion, uh, so that the score ended up being twenty to fifteen, and uh, we ended up having to save it with that 
with the ending drive for Washington, our defense came up big with three sacks in there, including the the, uh, the sack. Well, it was Robinson had a sack, Collier had a sack, and then um, our our new guy uh, had had the most amazing sack I've ever seen. I mean, he just ran over Moses and mm-hmm. and plowed Haskins into the ground, and it was just a beautiful thing. Yeah, Dunlap's been such a good addition. It was just crazy. Like, it's been great. Well, I mean, you look at yeah, they had a couple of long drives, and the Seahawks had some things that 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 got stuffed, and and it didn't, you know. Uh, but that was going to be. I mean, you look back to last week's show when you and I did our prediction. I said, you know, twenty three thirteen. It was going to be a slog. It was going to be like this game that's going to be like. It's going to be hard, kind of hard to watch defense or offensively. It was going to be ugly um, on both sides. And, and um, that's what we saw. I mean, it was, uh, I, I keep saying this and I want to, um, you know, make sure that we point it out. I believe that Washington's front four is the best yeah. defensive line in the NFL. And they are. And, and we neutralize and I, them. Yeah. And yeah, we neutralized them. They also neutralized a lot of what Seattle wanted to do offensively. They were keeping Will Disley in to block full time. They kept Hollister in to block at times, which you know has varying degrees of success. Uh, they kept their backs in to block a lot, um, and so by doing that max protect um, kind of situation, you have you know two or three receivers out in routes and. They've got seven people covering. It's going to be hard to complete passes. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, you know, the, the fans are upset because after leading 20 to three going into the fourth quarter, we give up those two touchdown drives and make it a little bit more interesting than it probably should have been at that point. Um, but but the defense did come up big when it really mattered. And I think that's a really good sign um, that the defense is able to step forward and make plays when they need to make plays. Um, and I think Seattle should be, um, that should 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 actually make us feel a little better about the team. Um, in addition to the run game uh, kind of coming up and uh, Chris Carson being healthy and stuff, boy, he looks really good out there. And his fumbling this year has not been an issue at all. He's just been running over folks and and uh, and hitting guys and making uh, pun- making defenders think twice about coming up and hitting him, even if he's close yeah. to the sideline. He's going to hit somebody before he steps out of bounds. Which is which is crazy at Seattle, you know, for for its faults or whatever you want to say. I don't think that they have. It's not that it's not that intense for me. I'm I'm I, I go onto Twitter and I see everyone, you know, asking for coaches' heads and uh, Russell Wilson's playing awful and and the defense, you know, sucks because they gave up things and and uh, everyone wants the offense to start passing the ball again and, and doing all that and it's like this just wasn't that kind of game. It never was going to be. You know, and Pete Carroll no, said, yeah, and I'm with you on that. Like a couple of weeks ago, and you and I had like kind of the debate about the defense that they gave up 300 yards and a half, even if it wasn't, um, mm-hmm. even if they didn't give up points, but it was to a bad team. And, and, and that was really frustrating. Uh, but this wasn't that this was against a good defensive team, a really good defensive team. And they played the game they needed to win. Did, would it would have been better if they had, um, you know, thrown the ball all over the place and, and, you know, put up 40 points, of course it would have been better. But they didn't feel like they needed to do that to win. What they felt like they needed to do to win was to run the ball, shorten the, the game, um, 
you know, protect the defense a little bit so that the defense could be rested. Those are the things that they felt like they needed to do, and they did them. Um, They took what the defense gave them and scored 20 points and won. And I also think that if if Washington had kept this game closer uh, throughout the first three quarters, that Seattle would have put up more points. But they didn't. Yeah. Feel like well, they, and they it, tried to shorten the game. They weren't throwing the exactly. Ball they, they did. They tried to shorten the game. They flipped the field. Uh, we can talk about Michael Dixon later, but he had four punts inside the twenty that really helped uh, the field position game for the Seahawks. I think the average uh, field position on those four punts was at the eight yard line. I mean, come on. So that so when you have that sort of weapon, you want to be able to use it. The defense has been playing well. You give you get them back on the field. I think that's a good strategy in this game, given the fact that Washington's offense is really. Mostly inept for the most part, but they did have a couple of sustained drives. Um, now, Pete said in his press conference, he said, in this game against that team, we neutralized their strength. So that was the, the, the idea going in. And then he said, this is the game we wanted to play. Um, even though the offense had 49 yards or 39 yards in the fourth quarter, um, you, you just want to hold on. In, in a game like this, you just you don't want to give them a turnover to, to, to help them out at all. And so I, I get the idea. Now, the the what you want to see from the offense, though, in the third and fourth quarter is better execution for sure. They had some plays there mm-hmm. where they couldn't convert on third down. That was the difference. You know, Russell Wilson had the interception where Sweat uh, was able to, to make a, a great athletic play, jumping up, tipping the ball, making making that interception <laughs> yeah, happen. Yeah. I- that happens. But you complete I mean, that to Carson, and th- that whole drive kind of keeps going, and we score at least three more points. And you just have a different feel for some of these things if if you get conversions. Carson like, was open in the corner, yeah, you're right there yeah. at the at the sticks, and you know Wilson was on the outside, and normally you know he will get that ball past the the defensive lineman and and to his player, and Sweat just made that you know leaping tip and happened to tip it to where one of his other guys was going to be to catch it. So, um, you know, it's that's more of a luck play. And, and then and we had I'm that not, third down conversion attempt to, to Carlos Hyde uh, later on that went through Hyde's hands uh, for a first down. That keeps that drive going. I mean, there's just certain plays along the way that, that make the offense, you know, sputter a little bit. And, um, you know, those things get converted, and it's just kind of a different feel a little bit. Um and the, and then the penalty by uh, um, KJ Wright, you know, where he made he made the the hit on McLaurin, um, where it was called for a fifteen yard penalty on unsportsmanlike conduct. That was just bogus, you know. There was nothing that KJ Wright could do. Didn't really hit him, you know, in the head. If he did, it was incidental and it was a shoulder pad kind of a hit. But McLaurin put his head head down. Uh, when, after he caught the ball, and KJ was already in the in the air, ma- trying to make the the diving stop. So what do you do? Um, yeah, and that extended I, that drive, and they you know they went on to score you know their their last touchdown. Um, and so you make that stop, it turns into fourth and long. They punt that ball right there. So um, you know there's just certain well, plays in the game. Going through the 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 second or the the fourth quarter drives, <clears throat> and one of the things I mean this was the Seahawks. Um, hadn't gotten uh, Rashad Penny any touches. And so they gave him um, a couple where he went for no gain on yeah, one. Yeah, that looked tentative a little bit, but the other one looked good. A little bit, but he also had a, he also, it was a pitch play and it got read by the outside linebacker and 
Uh, so he had, basically they had contain out there. And so it's like, okay, that happens. But then the very next play, he goes up the middle for six. Yeah, that was great. I thought, in fact, the fact that they gave him the ball up the middle in in Mm -hmm. in that, in that run, that base run was And he was, he was close. He was, the the guy caught him, caught his, uh, his ankle, um, and knee a little bit. Otherwise he was, he might've been, you know, uh, 15 yards up that because he had, he had space, basically the one last guy that was, that could make a play, you know, dove into his lower leg and, and was able to get him down. But other than that, I mean, he had, it was well blocked and, and it, that could have gone for more. Um, but they got him those. And then the, the play after that, so it's, it's still third and four. That's, that's convertible. And it turned out to be a three yard pass to hide. He just couldn't break the one tackle he needed to, you know, and fall forward right. for the first down. So, um, it ended up being fourth and one. Now it's that was one of those plays where it's fourth and one, but you're at the fifty the, yard line, midf- basically. Yeah, yeah, you're at the forty-seven. You're at midfield. You go for it there, and you know run it with Carson and get the first down, and you run the clock, uh, you know, down, and 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 this game um, mm-hmm. isn't nearly as close. But they chose to punt it because the defense had been playing pretty well. Yes, and right. And you have Dixon, so it, it it's different. When the defense was terrible at the beginning of the year, I think they would have gone for it there, um, but they didn't feel like they needed to. Yeah, I agree. And so we've just pointed to three or four different scenarios where you know you're successful in, in execution on on those things, and it's a completely different feel and a, and a different outcome. We still won, you know. Mm-hmm. We still won. We did what we wanted to do. the uh, The defense got the 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 win for the team at the end there by by uh, by forcing the you know, the, the late Hail Mary and, and getting the sacks right at the end. Um, and, um, I just think overall I'm pleased, you know, and everybody doesn't look at it that way and that's okay, but it's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to win on the road and it's hard to win against a top defense. Um, and so I'll take it. I'll take the win. I saw enough here that you can take away that was positive, the running game in particular, that's transferable, especially to our next opponent, the Rams, who also have a really good defense and a very sound um, defensive line, best defense in the NFC West. And um, I think that bodes well into the, into the future when we're going to face better quarterbacks, we're going to need some time of possession type stuff, we're going to be able to need to grind the clock. If we do get leads, we're going to be able to have to sustain some drives. So having that running game coming out of this game for a couple uh, weeks in a row, uh, being being really good at it, and having Chris Carson just look really nice, really um, healthy, I, I think, and um, has been playing really well, seeing the field really well, catching the ball um, from Russell Wilson on those re- release uh, valve type plays. I just think it's a, it's a good thing. And then to have the defense kind of step up there, that's a great thing. I mean, think about where we were in the first eight weeks of the season. Their defense was historically bad overall. We weren't getting any pass rush. I think in the last, since week eight, Keith, we have 31 sacks. We lead the NFL, which is a remarkable yeah. turn of events considering how poor things were looking at the first part of the year. We were thinking, there's just no way we can go deep in the playoffs. We're winning games, yeah, but we're squeaking these things out and the defense isn't showing up and it's all on offense and we're having to rely on Russell Wilson to have all three phases of the game now kind of coming together, I think is, is tremendous as, as far as a playoff type team, uh, the way that you have to win in the playoffs, I think it's a good thing. 
Well, I mean, let's look at 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 because you're right. They they went from having no pass rush whatsoever to um, you know having one of the better, most more successful pass rushes in the NFL. And look at where it's coming from, um, and, and where the improvement come from. I mean, obviously, um, Carlos Dunlap, uh, his addition has been great. But in this game, you know, Alton Robinson really had a great game and really stepped up and played well. You're getting more interior pressure from Jaron Reed and 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 Puna Ford. Right. Because Snacks Harrison is is letting I them, totally agree, absolutely uh, be be more disruptive. Um, you're getting you know LJ Collier continues to perform. Your defensive on, backs are performing better, which which gives your front line just a, a few split seconds longer to get to the quarterback. Yeah, and you have the best pass rushing defensive back in NFL history. Um, <laughs> this is crazy playing well and you know they're they're just it's they're getting it from a lot of different places um there's a lot of guys that are stepping up and playing better and um you know they're just it's not like oh they traded for Dunlap and Dunlap's had you know 12 sacks and everyone right. else is still Dunlap bad. has four and a half it's, sacks or whatever but Collier's playing like, better Ford's got it, you know, that Collier and Ford combination there in the interior rush is, is, is looking really good. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and mentioned then, Jamal Adams. My goodness, Keith, nine and a half sacks. And that's coming in like 10 games, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is remarkable. What, remarkable. NFL record, nine and a half. So, you know, when, when, when yeah. So if you could say, yeah, uh, we, you know, John Schneider went out and got us a pass rusher. He gave up two first rounds to get a pass rusher. And I'm not going to tell you his name or his position, but he's he's got almost double digit sacks after we made that acquisition. You'd be ecstatic. Look at around the league of all the other pass rushers that were acquired in free agency and via trades or anything like that. And Jamal Adams is as good a pass rusher as anything out there on the market that we could have acquired. Yeah, and he also plays well against the run. And, He's got 72 and, uh, tackles. Yeah, a lot of a tackles lot of for teams. loss. Yep. Yeah, been playing better uh, pass defense as well. So speaking mm-hmm. of pass defense, I mean, we had uh, uh, Griffin with another interception, uh, laid out really nice on a tip ball. Uh, I thought made one of the best interceptions I've seen in a while, just laying out and, and catching that ball and making sure he had possession of it before he hit the ground. And then... Um, we had, oh, who was it? Uh, DJ Reed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have that really nice interception where he came off his guy, you know, towards the middle of the field and stepped in front of, of that um, to, to intercept that. That was really a great play. And we talked earlier about DJ Reed being uh, one of the most valuable additions that this team had. Came over on, on the waiver wire from the San Francisco 49ers. Thank you, San Francisco, by the way. Uh, in July... Didn't know what we had really. Had a pec injury. At the time, the diagnosis was it could be anywhere from six months to uh, you know to next year availability. But John Schneider went ahead and made that uh, acquisition um, just to get him on the roster because they liked what they saw in film from him earlier. And, and I think that I think crazy. that the, the that story um, needs to be told a little bit because I mean, you look at, he had that injury and, uh, the 49ers didn't cut him. Yeah. They, they didn't they want to like, give up on him. They were going to stash him. No, 
they, they just wanted to stick him on injured reserve. And if you're going to push someone off the roster and onto injured reserve during the offseason, they go through waivers. And typically that is a uh, formality, right? Because the guy, you're not putting someone on IR who's going to play. Um, so that means you're putting someone on, on IR who is going to miss the year. And nobody's going to waste a you – you're already trying to get the roster spot back. That's why you're, you're putting them through waivers to get them on IR. So why would another team use up a, a roster spot for that same guy who's not going to play? Um, and so like I said, it's normally a formality, but the Seahawks saw something in Reed that they really liked, and they were willing to, you know, go through the offseason with a, an, an 89-man roster instead of a – uh, 90-man roster, and that's what they did, and because they wanted to keep this guy, and it's really paying off. It's oh, yeah. really paying off for them. Absolutely. They end up with a starter. You know, it's it's crazy because you look at the uh, physical attributes of G.J. Reed. He's like uh, 5'8", 185, mm-hmm. 189 pounds, right? So you're thinking slot, corner, um and then that's really especially all. in Seattle where they like long, yeah exactly you know, that's all he can do that's all he's gonna be good for that's awesome let's see if he works out whatever he comes in he plays a little bit you're going well what are they gonna do with Amadi you know and earlier it was what are they gonna do with Blair and then he comes in he plays he, he looks great he's athletic he's kind of a playmaker uh, he's able to do his thing and all of a sudden the injury to our outside corners gives him an opportunity to play some outside corner well, let's throw him out there see what happens we'll shoot he's pretty good Turns out, in fact, he's so good, he's going to displace uh, Quentin Dunbar, um, returning to a starting spot, uh, Flowers uh, returning to a starting spot, and he's the guy that's going to be opposite Griffin going forward in the last two games and into the playoffs for the Seattle Seahawks. It is a great story, and it's a great mm-hmm. uh, opportunity for uh, John Schneider to, to, to turn over every rock that's out there to bring in talent and acquire talent for the team. Even if they've got to wait for a while, they're willing to do that. They're patient and uh, hats off to the organization and TJ Reed for creating an opportunity for himself. Um, you know, he said in a, in a presser that he always believed that he could do it and he just needed the opportunity and he found the opportunity here in Seattle and he's, he's running with it. So now, now you've got these question marks in the off season. You've got Griffin in a contract situation Dunbar is a one-year deal. He's in a contract situation. Flowers, they need to figure out what's going on with Flowers long-term. Um, so you've got, and then you've got DJ Reed, obviously, on a one-year deal. So now, <laughs> what do you what do you do? You've got your entire defensive backfield that's under, uh, you know, that's almost uh, out of a, a contract situation, and you're going to have to make a lot of decisions. So these last three, uh, you know, couple games, and then the playoffs will determine, I think, how Seattle... Um, goes forward at least with Griffin um, as far as are they going to pay him? What is he going to command out there in the open market? Uh, Dunbar, I don't know that the team has seen enough to be able to warrant paying him anything more than like a vet minimum deal next year. And, you know, prior well, I don't to know see if it'll it, be a vet, <clears throat> I don't know if it'll be a vet man, but it won't be. Well, maybe, a, a maybe it, like a one year deal for three or 4 million bucks. Right. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be something like yeah. that. It's, they're not gonna, they're, but they're not gonna pay him. He's not gonna no, get no. You know, and and I don't know that year. anybody else would, given the injury situation, and you know, yeah, and the fact that he played terribly. Well, and he had a pro football focus when he was when he was uh, not injured. You know, he's pretty decent. He's got good coverage skills. He's long. 
Um, but he hasn't shown that in Seattle. Um, so, mm -hmm. he, you know, you kind of look at that. Maybe, I don't know exactly when the knee kind of flared up. I know he's always had a little bit of an issue. Pete said he's probably going to have to have surgery in the offseason to correct it. Um, so it must be just a little meniscus tear. Something's going on in there, right, that's bothering him. And, um, yeah, so so what does Seattle do? What do you think? you got to pay G.J. Um, Reed. I mean, he's got to be coming back. Yeah, and so what you're going to end up with with D.J. Reed is he's going to be um, – He's going to get a Justin Coleman type deal, uh, five or six million dollars for you know three years, uh, like per year for three years, and I think that's that's a great uh, spot for him. It allows the team to be flexible with what's around him, whether he is a slot or whether he's an outside. Just get him on the field and play him. You do have Ugo Amadi, um, who's going to be under you know Blair. contract and back. Um, Flowers has another year. Uh, and actually, and I know everyone's rolling their eyes when I say flowers, but he, after uh, a rough couple of games at the beginning, when he first, you know, came on for Dunbar, he really settled in and played well until his injury. You know, he um, played better after um, Quandre Diggs started playing better. You know, Quandre mm -hmm. Diggs, you know, was kind of in the first five or six games. And um, there's I a think, lot of communication. Yeah, I think Quandre Diggs and there. Jamal Adams really had to work stuff out for a while in order for the defense to kind of solidify. And I think flowers ended up being hurt by that. I think we saw that too, with the way, um, uh, Thompson, you know, at free safety used to cause Seattle the same issues playing, you know, scheme schematically. Uh, and we saw Griffin and flowers struggle, uh, on the, on the outside edges with, with their free safety play. Um, and, and, um, as soon as Diggs starts playing better, everyone starts playing better. Adam starts playing better. Diggs is now in sync. He's playing better. He's having a, you know, he's got four interceptions on the year. He's going to the Pro Bowl. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so the whole backfield is now playing better. I, I'm i pretty optimistic, actually. And, you know, I'm, I try to stay grounded, whatever, for the for the show and, and everything. And just as a fan anyway, I'm fairly grounded. But I'm optimistic about this defense. Um, you know, since Adams came back from injury, we got Dunlap, the defense has started playing better. Um, the defense is actually kind of a, a top 15, top 12 unit overall, you know, and you take a look at a couple different things, yep. uh, pass rush, win rate, sacks, uh, pass, uh, the ability to quarterback stop the rating against certain players and so forth has all come down and been. Uh, top 10 level since mm -hmm. that time. And so I'm pretty optimistic going into the playoffs that we can, our defense can be a factor in helping. Underrated down factor teams. in the defensive improvement was getting Jordan Brooks healthy. Oh man. When, yeah. 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 When, um, when Bruce Irvin went down for the injury, you're like, okay, well that's going to be, um, you know, Jordan Brooks has to step up and, and play now rather than, uh, you know, because they, they were they were thinking they'd bring him along more slowly, but you know they lost Irvin in the first game of the year, and it's like okay, kid, get out there and play and do your thing. And the first thing that he did was get hurt, hurt that ankle, and and it it, it was it coincided to when the defense was terrible, and when he got healthy, when his ankle started getting better, and he got back out on the field, the defense started improving. And you look at the stat sheet, and you're not seeing a ton of tackles. And you're not seeing, you know, that kind of stuff. But 
he's a strong side linebacker in this yeah, game. Yeah, well, he led, he led the team in tackles last week. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, overall, you look at the stats. Um, his job is to set the edge on the, on runs to his side. Um, he, you know, containment on runs to go in the other way. He does a lot of stuff in coverage. Um, and he is a big reason on why the run defense has been good. He's a, he's been good in coverage, which I know was the, mm, the knock yeah, against absolutely. him, uh, in the draft process. Um, but he's been good and just been really, um, undersold and underappreciated so far in what he's done. Um, and, and has, has been good. He's played well. And I think that it, it needs to be said that he is part of the reason why this defense has gone from being historically bad to being, you know, a top 10 defense. When you got a guy like, like Jordan Brooks, who's an ex- instinctive linebacker, who's very fast, who um, plays with a lot of power and uh, hits guys, good tackler, solid tackler. Um, when that guy learns the playbook, understands where he's supposed to be, understands opposing offenses. Bobby Wagner's in his ear all the time. And that guy, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, everything clicks for him, right? And he's able to play fast and and instinctive without thinking. Then Jordan Brooks becomes like this whole other animal. And that's what we've seen the last four or five weeks from him. Um, you can yeah. go back a little bit further than that, but what I'm saying right now is he's he's really playing, uh, you know, optimized for being a rookie uh, in this defense, and he fits right in, you know. And and KJ Wright's been playing better, you know. That the threesome of those guys is just really solid, um, and they've been playing the pass better. Everything's been 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 better since they had that meeting, you know, that accountability meeting on defense. And um, and I think, quite frankly, I think. A lot of it stemmed with the miscommunications and schematic issues with Jamal Adams integrating into the defense and trying to figure out Adams because he doesn't play a traditional strong safety the entire time. He's lining up at strong side linebacker. He's dropping back into coverage. He's playing, you know, uh, strong safety. Um, And so the team kind of needed to figure out Adams. Like, where is he going to be? What is he going to do? In this situation, is he going to blitz or is he going to fall back into coverage? So Quandre Diggs, consequently, was hesitating a little bit, which made the outside corners play uh, hesitant as well. And so now they're they're all kind of in syn- uh, synchronicity a little bit better, and it shows. I mean, the defense is playing well um, and coming together when right at the right time. I mean, it's it's crazy. So now we we're in a situation, Keith where uh, we took over first place in the division. We uh, have a chance to win the division this weekend against the Rams. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do that, I wanted to get to the, the, the Pro Bowl guys, just recognize the guys that have kind of earned their, um, earned a little bit of, of airtime. <laughs> You know, you got seven, seven, guys. seven guys, which is a tied franchise record uh, for the amount of, of players selected. We probably would have had a few more um, as far as as guys that were second or third choice as well. Uh, if if other guys from other teams weren't able to make it because of injury or Super Bowl or whatever, we won't talk about Super Bowl. But you know what I mean? 
And so, well, yeah, but there's there's no actual game right, this year. It's right. just it's just the honor. Did you get named to it? Right. Um, and and that's that's what what you're referring to is because Correct. since there's no actual game um, because of COVID, uh, what you have is a situation where you're not going to get that second wave of guys where people are hurt, so they're not going to play. And so, okay, name their replacement. Pro Bowl alternate. Um, yes. Yep. And and so we don't have those, and there are a bunch of guys that would have made, including the maybe a couple of our guys. Let's That's what let's I, talk about it. So yeah. Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner. So Russell Wilson, uh, what is his eight eight Pro Bowl? Um, Bobby Wagner has seven Pro Bowls. Uh, DK Metcalf, his first Pro Bowl. So I want to talk about DK Metcalf just for a second, Keith. So uh, DK Metcalf. Um, 1,223 yards, 10 touchdowns, 64 yards short of all-time franchise record held by Steve Largent of 1,287. He's got two games to go to get that. Um, we had talked about tough, DK Metcalf. A couple, of tough ma- a couple of tough matchups for him coming yeah, up. But, yeah, but whatever. Whatever. He'll get yeah, it. Whatever. He'll get it. Yeah. It's 64 yards. I, I expect him to get yeah, it. But, I expected him um, to get it. He almost had He had a one-handed uh, grab just out of bounds in this last game, too, that would have added to that mm-hmm. total. I think he's going to get it. Here's the deal about Metcalf, though. Keith, we had predicted almost his exact stat line at the beginning of the year. I went back and looked at it, and we predicted anywhere from 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns to uh, some outrageous. No, I think it was like 1,600. He could get to 1,600 if everything kind of came together for him and 14 touchdowns. You know, that was the wild, way out there prediction. Uh, And a Pro Bowl. You know, we said Pro Bowl, et cetera. This guy's going to end up having like 1,300 yards, you know, probably 12 touchdowns um, and and possibly an all-pro selection in his second year. At twenty, just turned twenty-three. Oh, he did. You're right. He did just turn twenty-three. But I mean, he is so young. He's he will finish his second year at twenty-three. A lot of guys that come into the NFL are already twenty-three, right? Or twenty-four. I just love the fact that he exceeded our expectations again. Like it's just, it's crazy. It really is. And and. And if you really, and you watch, we watched every game, every play, every catch, every drop, right? There's just a little bit more to, to his, his game. I mean, he's just missing some things. He does drop some balls occasionally. You know, there are yards that he's leaving on the table yet. And the Seahawks haven't even optimized him on, on being a guy that can, um, that can move the chains, a guy that they create space for that they do bubble screens for and all that stuff. They don't do any of that for him. These are all mm-hmm. these yards are coming from, you know, just because he's a workhorse, you know, and he, he works yeah. his ass off and uh, the, the team really isn't setting him up for anything easy. Um, you know, there's occasional, you know, move the chain first down throws and stuff, but a lot of stuff's over the top. A lot of stuff, you know, he creates after he, he has tight coverage and he pushes a guy out of the way or whatever, very physical, you know, receiver to be able to do that. But it'd be interesting to see if they kind of created an offense around him in a, in a sense, in that they gave him 10 to 12 opportunities a game. And, and they also gave him some space to work in, in, uh, in, in a defense. Well, yeah. I mean, you also have uh, a situation where defenses are focusing on him. I mean, go, go watch the game. You're, you're seeing he is drawing the top corner yes. on each team. Right. Um, even teams that don't like, they're like, they're like the Seahawks that don't like to swap their corners back and forth. They'll be like, Nope, 
Like in this game, watch, Jalen Ramsey will be on DK Metcalf almost the entire game. And uh, that makes, I mean, that's that's their best defensive player other than Aaron Donald. And they're committing him just to DK Metcalf. And they will also ro- roll a safety um, over to help. Uh, that's that's the kind of attention that he draws. And he's still putting up these numbers. Did you hold your breath when he came down in that end zone attempt and, and kind of looked like he tweaked his knee? Yeah. I got to tell you, I was, I was like, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that, they, this, this team can't. That would be a season uh, in jeopardy type of an injury. Because, I mean, the, he is such a huge part of this offense. He makes so much of it work because of his ability to, to draw all that attention it allows guys like Freddie Swain and, and David Moore and, and um, you know, Olsen and Disley underneath those guys to, to do more. Um, I'm still not convinced yet that there might be something that, that happened there um, that he's playing through a little, little sprain, a little tweak, a little whatever. I'm just curious as to how it tightens up over the week. Kind of, you know, he's got to work that out a little bit and, and what kind of an impact that, that it has on him, you know, going forward a little bit. Um, I know it's not a long-term situation, but, you know, for a couple of weeks it might bother him just enough. You know, I just want to see, yeah. just want to see that. Um, let's talk about some other guys. Okay. Uh, Wagner, seventh Pro Bowl. Uh, hats off to Wagner. Uh, everyone thinks he's having a little bit maybe of a down season. I don't think so. Um, the guy still commands a ton of respect. Still makes a ton of plays, uh, sh- uh, surefire I mean, you can, tackler. You can tell a little bit. There are times where you can tell he's lost a little. He's lost a step. But he hasn't and, missed any time. His body isn't breaking down. I was looking at him the nope. other day just as a physical specimen on the on the on the field, and he's just still that guy. That uh, oh yeah, and he's he is he's the guy in charge on on defense, and he's. Um, what he does pre-snap is as important as what he does post-snap, and he's a pro bowler entirely based on post-snap. Um, he he's just really smart, really important on everything. But th- there have been times where you know he got outrun to ran to the corner. Yeah, well, some of that, that never happened. Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna counter that with just just a hair in that. I think there's some there was some hesitation there getting used to Adams in that scenario that you just described where he he's getting caught pulling himself in one direction where he, he in normal situation he probably would have given him a, a more of a cushion to drop back into coverage slightly sooner. That's that's all I'm saying. I I think the speed wise I think you're right. I think he's lost half a step since he was drafted. There's no question he was one of the fastest linebackers coming out of college when he when he came out that year. But yeah. And now he's and now he's what thirty one and um, you know it's it's going to happen. I mean you're well, going to have he's guys. He's just that, a tackle machine, so he's got a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, and, and so I'm not I'm not trying to no I know you're not. His play. I know you're not. He's because he's been great. This is an absolutely well earned and deserved uh, Pro Bowl selection. This isn't a guy that made it because of his name and and no. reputation. He made it. He got there because of the. He's seventh in the NFL field. in tackles. I mean, he's still he's still there. Yeah, and so I'm. Uh, I I want let, let's not. Uh, but I am. What I am saying though is is he has lost a little bit of a step, and. Uh, it but he's so damn everyone. smart; it doesn't matter. True, but that's also why getting Jordan Brooks in there with his speed, 
was was so important because what you did is you at the t- the team speed last year was really lacking. Yep, you're, up, you're absolutely right. You, you know, with with everything that was going on um, there and getting a guy like Brooks's speed that upgrade with his speed at that position uh, makes up for the fact that KJ and uh, Bobby are slowing down. And so it just allows the unit as a whole to be as good as it is because you needed that extra speed and you weren't getting that um, in the past. And so just to have that is nice. And I, but it does also signal like, I know KJ's have been having a good year and a great year, Keith. But do you, when you look forward at this, do you commit to? I give KJ Wright another two year deal out of this. Do year. you commit to that as those two guys continue yeah. to? Yeah, I slow mean Bobby's down? got what another two years on his contract. I give KJ another two years. You can see then where you're at with those two guys, uh, and Jordan Brooks is going to be there for you. So I'd go forward with those three guys. I mean, there's nothing wrong schematically with the way that we're playing now, even though Jordan Brooks might not be in his natural position. Or or KJ is not in his natural position. I don't think it it matters uh, off the ball or yeah, on the ball. Those two guys are those two guys are, are switching back and forth. I, I mean, agree. Officially, KJ, officially KJ is the the strong side linebacker. I I said um, Brooks is the strong side linebacker earlier because watching the game, that's what they had him do. I mean, the the two guys just basically they kind of played right side and left side, and then rather than strong side and weak side, um, and they just both did. Yeah. I think the key, I think the key uh, the question here is not do you give a little bit of money to KJ Wright um, to keep the the, the 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 group together? It's what do you do with Cody Barton? Um, because I think you need to figure out if Cody Barton is a guy that you can play as a starter. Because if KJ were to get hurt, or if Bobby uh, did, or or Jordan Brooks needed to move in the into the middle, you'd have to have somebody there on the team that's that's got the ability to come in and play significant minutes because Bobby and, and KJ aren't getting any younger. Right. And, and mm-hmm. eventually injuries happen, whatever. I'm not trying to jinx anything. I'm just trying to figure out what the team does strategy wise at that position group. And I think you give KJ some money, but you've got to hedge that at the same time. Yeah. You got to go. I think, I mean, Cody Barton played okay when play, when, when asked to play, Tremendous um, on special year, teams, but he yeah he's been. In fact, he leads. He's, the, he's second in the NFL in special teams touch, uh, tackles with twelve, along with Nick Bellore, mm-hmm. who made the pro, pro Bowl. Pro Bowler Nick Bellore. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Carries that forever. But nice. you know, I, I think that so uh, Cody Parton's got a spot on the team. He's a good backup linebacker and special teams. Or do you have? Is he a starter? I don't know. I don't know if he is a starter or not. Um, and I, I don't know if the team knows because from what they've seen, I think they, they like him as a backup. If he's the fourth guy or the fifth guy and a special teamer, I think that's ideal. So if that's the case and you're going to throw, you know, you know, do, keep KJ around, I think you have to go use another mid-round draft pick on linebacker again and get yourself to be five deep. Or you have to re-sign Bruce Irvin. And and hope that he stays healthy this next year. And they may. And Bruce isn't going to make five or six million dollars like he did in this last contract. Uh, they're not no. going to make that mistake again. They'll they'll pay. He's making two or three. Exactly. All right. And so let's go through this list uh, of remaining guys. Pro Bowl Adams, Jamal Adams. Come on. 
Third Pro Bowl, NFL nine record, and a half sacks. NFL record for sacks by a defensive back at nine yeah. and a half. Eight and a half was a, any, was already any a record. Any just adds so, so much more. Um, and and what do you do, Keith? What do you do? What do you pay this guy? Um, they're going to want a contract ex- extension this year. Uh, will he mm-hmm. disrupt the team uh, if he doesn't get that extension um, and and go and plays out the last remaining year of his contract? I hate the idea of Seattle getting to that point because you gave up so much for him. You kind of want to lock that situation in, or you trade him um, while while he's a hot commodity and get everything back that you gave for him or or most of it, um, or you pay him like eighteen million dollars a year, take up a significant portion of your cap for a strong safety that's that's a jack of all trades uh, kind of Swiss Army knife in your defense. Um, what value do you put on Jamal Adams? Yeah, he's not going to get eighteen. I mean. That's come not, on. I don't be realistic, you know. Keith. Be realistic. Buddha Baker got I am 17. Buddha Baker, right? Yeah, that contract. Is I, I know, stupid. but that's where the market's at now. You take a look at the top five, you're, you're, you're still in the 15 range. And that's what I mean. And that's where I'm, where I'm, yeah, but Jamal is. Adams so, is the top of his game. The Seahawks have beyond what a strong safety gets paid. Beyond. The Seahawks have control over him for the next three years because of franchise tag. he's under contract next year, a couple of franchise tags. He they have control over him for the next five or the next three years. And the franchise tag that they're that they would use on him for year two of that is gonna be worth about fifteen million. And really so that becomes the starting point of negotiation. That is true. And That's so a lot of leverage. Him, it's it's two years. And you have that fifteen million dollar price tag um, in year two. So you come in with and you say you you start it. You know, can you get them for fourteen and a half? And they're going to laugh. And then you go, okay, well, let's go fifteen. And where's the guaranteed money and all of that? And if you can get them for fifteen, I think you go for it and do it because he's been he's been good and he's been dynamic. And now yeah, I I disagree. I disagree with you. I think they're going to break the market. I really, honestly do. I think he's a transcendent talent. Uh, sure, he's got some coverage liabilities now and again, but he gives you so much more, including leadership, all that kind of stuff. Kind of taking over that role a little bit. I can see it coming with uh, from Bobby Wagner transitioning to kind of an Adams, right? And so I think they give him money. I think they back up the truck and they lock him down for like a four or five year deal at 18 average with, 40 million in guarantees. I just, I do. I, 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 yeah, we'll I don't, I, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I'm like 50% that I'm, I'm pretty yeah. close. I, I just don't, what I don't, what I don't see is where the leverage is for Adams at this point to nine and a half sacks. That. Yeah. It, it, no, it's, I'm, the sacks. I'm, it's the sacks. It's, 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 and I'm, and I'm talking entirely about, the market and contract. And if the Seahawks have him under control for the next two years, forget the third year, just the next two years at a total of, um, what does it come out to be? 22 million, right? At 11 million a year average over the next two years. And you come in and you offer him 15 million for that or a per year over that um, and make it. Yeah. And, if and you have the, fully if you have the guarantees, yeah. So, so in for over the next two years, instead of it being um, twenty two million, it's thirty, and it's fully guaranteed. I mean, you're talking about a lot of money uh, 
increase, a lot of guarantees, a lot of, um, you're, you're not asking for more than that. I mean, you, you can, but the way these negotiations work and the way that they, um, the way that they play out, I mean, this is what the market says. Right. But we have based seen, on, based on the negotiations, we have seen lately, um, with, um, Richardson, defensive tackle Richardson with, um, Clowney, um, that John Schneider sees a market a certain way. And sometimes these players, high value commodity players, see the market in a different way and they can't come together and we lose out. And you don't want to let a guy like Adams, A, be disgruntled, hold out for any reason, whatever, uh, and mm-hmm. or uh, command a, a figure that's so far out there that Seattle just can't can't go there. Um, so it would be nice to, to get him locked down early. You know, it used to be yeah. a situation where a guy like Michael Bennett would sign a contract just after the season ended. You know, and it'd be nice to, re- to kind of get something like this out of the way so it doesn't become a distraction. Because if he goes into next year without a contract and they didn't get a deal done and he goes into the final year, that's just, uh, it just feels weird. Especially after giving well, that, up two firsts and, and a, a fifth or whatever we gave up for him. And that's the thing with, about this is what I'm talking about is the, is, is the state of the, the negotiations right now. A year from now, where... Adams has played and played through the um, final year of his of his rookie deal, and now you're looking where fifteen million is the starting point um, on the thing because he's already played for this, and he's like, "Hey, I took a discount and, and played, uh, you know, on on the rookie year, um, you know, my 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 rookie deal." And so you you look over all of it, and you're like he's going to be asking for more and your leverage has decreased because now you've only got really that's one year of control and it's at a higher number as far as the average, right? Cause rather than it being, um, you know, 11 or 12 million a year over two years, now it's 15 over one, you know what I mean? So the leverage shifts into, uh, Jamal Adams's favor. If they don't get this done soon, the longer this plays out, the stronger, uh, Adams's negotiating position is, uh, and so, yeah, I'm with you like for, for completely like, um, I think we're, we're coming at this from different angles, yeah. but well, I wasn't sure now, like, like after eight weeks and we were a poor defense had the worst rated, you know, pass defense in the NFL history, all that kind of stuff. I wasn't sure about Jamal Adams, like how they were using him, how he would fit, um, and, and what he might be worth. And now after seeing him kind of integrate better into the defense, I'm thinking, how are we not, we can't afford to, to lose him, um, which is great for Adams, great for the team. I mean, those are good problems to have. Those are the problems you want to have when you give up that much draft capital to get a guy. It's worked out. I think overall on, on the balance, this is one of those trades um, that, that has worked out. And so now you've got to figure out a way to, to get him in the fold long term. All right. Well, yeah, you, you gave up, you gave, they gave up so much in draft capital for him um, that they, they really have to get this done because you cannot afford to not have any, right? Because you're, you're basically just costing yourself a lot of talent, not only with him leaving, but also the two first round yeah. picks. Yeah, you don't want to rent a player for that cost. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, Diggs, um, Quandre Diggs, uh, first Pro Bowl in his sixth Surprising. season. 
surprising Pro Bowl selection this year. Last year and in the past, it, you know, when he was with the Detroit, I thought he was more deserving. And in fact, I was so surprised when I saw this was his first Pro Bowl selection because he was a Pro Bowl caliber player when he came to yeah. Seattle. Well, I think in the second uh, half of the season, he really came on. Uh, you True. know, so but four still. interceptions, nine pass defense, 52 tackles. Nice compliment with to Adams. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously part, it came together. The, yeah, the first like five games of the, of the year were kind of rough for him. Um, and then he, then it you're right, it started to solidify. And he's been great recently. I mean, just great. But the first five games were kind of rough. And... That's why I was saying it was a surprise that he... It is interesting that we had the worst worst pass defense in the history of football, and we have two of our defensive backs on in the Pro Bowl, uh-huh. and both of them were first or second in, in vote getting at their position group. Yeah. I mean, you look at... Part of it is, is statistics, right? They're, they're not watching the games, looking at the stats, and you're saying, okay, there's a safety with... Uh, an NFL record for sacks, well, that's obvious. Right. Let's, let's throw him in there. Plus, he's the focus of of um, what opposing teams do and that kind of stuff. But the other guy, you're, well, it's 50 tackles for a defensive back and four picks. And, four picks, and, which is tied for, I think, sixth in the NFL. And uh, so and you're safety, like, okay. Yeah, and so you're like, that sounds good. But you, it misses the, the blown coverages and stuff that happened early in, in the year and, and that kind of stuff. It, it, Let's not sugarcoat how bad the defense was the first five weeks. When we say historically bad, we mean yeah. it. We were oh, really, yeah. Well, uh, we were going up 400 even, and, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, I think I have it written down here. I can't remember where it's at. Um, anyway, I, I've lost, oh, here it is. In, uh, here's the defense. Um, in weeks one through nine, points per game allowed, 30.4. Weeks 10 through 14, 16.2. Total yards per game, 455.8 in the first nine weeks, 285.6 weeks 10 through 14. This is before this last game. Pass mm-hmm. yards per game, 362.1, 187.2 in the last four games. Sacks, 2.4 to 3.4. Now, granted, Keith, we just went through, quote unquote, the easiest part of our schedule, right, with, with winnable games. Um, but nonetheless, it's the NFL, the defense is really coming together. You can just see the difference, um, which is, which is good. And I just want to say too, by the way, right now, this, this podcast is going to go long. So, uh, to everyone that's, that's listening out there, thank you. Stick with us uh, a little bit. We're going to get to the Rams preview, uh, in, in just a minute. Um, so, okay. So let's move on. Uh, let's get to the special teams guys that made the pro bowl. Um, Tyler Ott, Tyler Ott, and Nick Ballore. Tyler Ott, we get to mention Tyler Ott. It wasn't. Yay. It wasn't Myers. <laughs> it wasn't Myers, um, and it wasn't Dixon. It was Ott and Ballore. Uh, so let's talk about uh, those guys. Uh, Tyler Ott, yay! Like I, I, I tweeted, I texted you uh, this morning. I said, hey, we get to t- talk about Tyler Ott again, um, and and we normally just reserve that for the for the roster. Uh, preview show at the beginning of the year because Tyler Ott does such a great steady job. You don't have to mention him throughout the rest of the year. Uh, we had a guy before Tyler Ott came on board. I can't even remember his name now because we ghosted him and um, we don't talk about him anymore, but that, that guy would, he would miss 
snaps all the time and cause problems and guys would, would blow through him on as blocking assignments, all that kind of stuff. Tyler Ott has just been a consummate pro, uh, definite upgrade. One of the best long snappers that I think the franchise has ever had to be completely honest, just because mm-hmm. he just does his job week in, week out. And, um, and he's going to his pro bowl, man. That's just awesome. Well, I mean, it, yeah, he does his job weekend when a guy. When was the last time they had a bad snap? No, he, he has oh, never had uh, a bad snap. Yeah, and that 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 has a lot to do with it. But his his job is more than that. I mean, yeah, he snaps the ball, um, you know, on on field goal attempts and that kind of stuff. And then he's got a block. And then um, he's got a cover. And then on, and then on 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 punt stuff. Yeah, he's got to he's, he's got to get the ball, and then he's got to get downfield. And he does, and um, he's just been really good um, at his job, and 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 done a fantastic, done a fantastic job. Um, it's and it's really one of those things that people are all here's are a, like, here's oh, a, how hard, here's a great how hard can it be? Like, what's it? You know, whatever. And then you go, no, seriously. Like, uh, we've seen how bad it can be when you don't have yeah. one. Well, I'll and just illustrate this. Good. The you know Tyler Ott. Um, there was a punt <clears throat> versus Washington where. Um, where Dixon punted from his own 30-yard line. And it went out of bounds untouched at the three-yard line, right? Like almost 70 yards in the air, bounced out of bounds. Guess who was at the three-yard line? Mm-hmm. Cody Barton and Tyler Ott. Yeah. They were down there Cody when Barton the ball went out there. of bounds 70 yards downfield to, to, to point to the ball, to the ref, where the ball went out of bounds. Yeah, that I mean, they were they crazy. were there. It took, that's how much they pride they have. It, that's a lot. That's pride, it, right there. If it takes because if it takes a slightly different bounce and is heading towards the end zone, you need someone to dive and keep it out of there and pin them deep rather than letting them out at the twenty yard line. And you expect Cody Barton to be down there or Nick Ballore or um, you know. Uh, Quill, not Quill Griffin, well, but Keen Griffin. I'll, I'll, I'll have. Know, I do have to say. To I do have there. to say there were five or six. Seahawks down I, the field. True. But I'm just saying you, there are people you expect to be down there because that's their job. They're the gunners or the guys that are just on the, the outside of the formation that block and then, and release. And well, go. and the offensive linemen um, have to stick around. Yeah. And so you've got a, but you've got the long snapper 70 yards. And he has to field. wait I mean, until the ball is kicked in order for him to release. Isn't that true? Yes, um, I know for, I think it Interior is. Interior offensive um, it, lineman on a punt, on, on the yeah, punt I, formation. Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking that it's the, the, the tackles and guards have to, and maybe not the long snapper. Okay, I didn't, I wasn't clear, um, but anyway, nonetheless, the hustle plays are just crazy, and the, and the, the yep. hats off to the special teams unit in general, um, top three in the NFL uh, this year on special teams, special teams coverage. Uh, when you consider the kicking game and the punting game, let's talk about those guys. I, I want to, uh, and, and we need to talk about them a little bit because uh, we got tweeted at. <laughs> it's like well, okay, so one of our Myers, listeners from Scotland. Myers and Dixon, yes. <laughs> Myers and Dixon did not make the Pro no, Bowl. They did and not. I think, and okay, I understand a little bit for Myers because one, he's missed three extra points. He's been perfect from in terms of field goals, but he's missed three extra points. And so that it detracts from people talking about him. Because if he had made the, the easy ones, the extra points, and everyone's like, he's perfect, including the you know 61-yarder and, and all of that, and it changes the narrative and people talk about it more, and I think he would have made it. And he just didn't have opportunities early in the year. 
And that's the other thing is, is over the first five games, the offense was so good at converting those opportunities into touchdowns. He only had two field goals yeah. after five games. Yeah. Um, and so people weren't talking about him then and, and, and all of that. So it's fine. Okay. He's been great. He hasn't missed a kick 31 consecutive year. field goals. Franchise yep. record, Lindo Mare, including the 61-yarder mm-hmm. you mentioned. I mean, great job, Jason yeah. Myers. Keep it up. You know, it's yeah, great to so have a dependable I, uh, kicker. Uh, he's been he has been great and and I, I think deserving of a Pro Bowl nod. Um, but at the same time, I do kind of understand it because of the lack of opportunities and because of a couple of um, missed extra points. Now, for Dixon, though, I don't get his. He leads the league in punts inside the twenty yard line at twenty seven. He he's one of the he top leads, guys in in. He leads the league in 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 pinning teams back by, you know, punts inside the 20 and punts inside the 10. He had, even with that, he's got an average, uh, a punting average of, uh, it's like 49.7. It's just under 50, which is one of the top ones in the league and his net, um, which is more important than, you know, booming at 56 yards. Doesn't matter if you outkick your coverage and you give them a return. Right. So it's, it's it's not just the um the average but it's the net average right um and he you know is is near the top of the league yes. in that as well and and if these are the things that matter if you're a punter you know um how far do you kick it how much can you limit the return how well good are you at pinning the other team deep uh and he is an all pro level kicker in all and, of and those categories. And this is why Pete Carroll. I don't get why he's not. This there. is why Pete Carroll loves him. This is this is yeah. part of Pete Carroll's game. This is right yeah. on the inside lane of where Pete Carroll thinks because it's about field position with Pete Carroll. It's about flipping the field when when your offense struggles um, and you're pin. You know you're in your own end of, of your um, on your side of the field. And a guy like Dix can, can, can completely flip the field and pin a team back. Um, the, uh, just in the Washington game, the average starting field position on Dixon's punt versus Washington was the eight-yard line. He had four punts um, that, that were started uh, Washington with an average um, to, to go of 92 yards. Um, that is <laughs> well, you, you a pin, weapon. You pin a team, you pin a team back far enough, like that one that we were talking about earlier that went out of bounds at the three, and it limits what the the offense is willing to do because they don't want to take a chance at having a holding penalty in uh, the end zone because that's a safety, right? That's two points and and you lose possession, <clears throat> and so they're gonna they're, you start to limit their options when you can pin them that deep, and it just makes life more difficult for the opposing team on top of the fact that the way the defense's scheme is designed with as we talked about earlier where they go ahead take that four yard completion take that six yard completion to the tight end do these little things and try and string together you know a 16 play drive if you want to score but don't make any mistakes and don't have any penalties because either one of them will, will make it so you can't get there um and, and so that's what they end up doing. And when you can pin them back where the average starting field position is the eight on those punts, you're basically saying, go be perfect yeah. for, uh, you know, and, and Washington was for, for two drives out of nine. Right. Yeah. And that's, and it wasn't, a, you know, I mean, that's not enough to, to win you a game. And that's the point. Um, and so having that, 
style of defense, the way it's schemed up, and requires that you have, or doesn't require, but it certainly helps when you have a guy like Dixon that can pin guys deep and flip the field. So if your offense sputters at the 30, um, and you're like, okay, we're giving them decent uh, field position, nope, instead you've got Dixon, and you're gonna they're going to have to be backed up um, because he can hit the ball that far. Um, and he can do weird things with the spin and, and all that kind of stuff. So I am. Um, yeah. He deserves a pro bowl nod just straight up. He's one of the best in the league and not just, Oh, talent wise, blah, 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 one of the best. No, he's having arguably the best year as a punter of anyone in the league and should have made it. I'm surprised he didn't. Um, uh, honestly, as surprised as I am that Diggs made it, I am more surprised that Dixon did not. All right, let's race through what we've got remaining. Uh, let's okay. talk about the NFC West really quick, some playoff implications, and let's talk about this Ram game. Um, yeah, NFC West. The Rams lost to the Jets. Yeah, so Seattle clinches uh, playoff berth. Um, they're 10-4. and four. Uh, The Rams uh, moved to ten uh, to 9-5 and five with a loss versus the Jets, 20-23. to 23. Um, I think the, um, the Rams coach elected to go for it on a 4th and 4 late in the game. And... Um, Instead of kicking a field goal from 37 yards out, uh, they they went for it. Goff ended up trying to throw a, a long pass to Gerald Everett. That pass was uh, fell to the to the turf, and Jets took over and won the game. Um, the Rams were favored by 17 points in that game. They were only the fifth team in NFL history that was favored by 17 points or more in a game to lose. Um, it couldn't happen to a better club. The Rams. Mm-hmm. Also, it sets up this week. Um, the Seahawks clinch the NFC West with a yep. win. We can we can so, clinch by winning one of our last two remaining games. So the the interesting thing was that Seattle, uh, you know, start. No, they have to win. They have to win this week because if they oh lose they have the tiebreaker. Week, yeah, they the Rams okay, have the tiebreaker. Right. So. So they, they need if they win this week, uh, they clinch the NFC West. They clinch a home field that's right. game in in the playoffs. So that's what's at, that's what's at stake this week. Cardinals are seven and six. Um, no longer in contention for anything. And the 49ers, five and nine, they're out. Yep, mathematically eliminated, which is crazy considering they were in the Super Bowl last year. And they have a Super Bowl caliber roster went healthy but they missed you know the bulk of their talent spent the year on injured reserved um and it it's just a weird year for them i mean they just you can't go in and have all of your stars end up on injured reserve at the same time and expect to continue to win and yeah they got some of them back but like richard sherman's back but he's not playing real well um so so we don't have to yeah, talk I mean, about them anymore. Yeah, until next yeah. year. <laughs> Seahawks ninth postseason berth in eleven seasons under Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Um, eighth double digit win total in nine seasons prior to two thousand twelve. Seattle had a total of five double digit win seasons in their thirty six year history. So I I yeah, I, I read never had to, never had back to back double digit wins before Pete Carroll and. Yeah. Yeah. So I read on Twitter that uh, that we were mediocre, 
that we were a mediocre team, right? <laughs> mediocre team. And I was like, ah, you yeah. guys obviously weren't old enough to remember the, the, the previous 30 some odd years before Pete Carroll showed up. That was mediocre. Uh, Most um, people remember the, the last year of, of, um, Holmgren, the first year or the one year of Jim Mora and the first couple of years of Pete Carroll, um, that were a, a four year bad stretch. And that's what they remember. They don't remember the early nineties pre Mike Holmgren <clears throat> teams that, um, I think the best year in that stretch was six wins. Yeah. I mean, we have uh, made the playoffs. Out in 92 with two. We have made the playoffs <laughs> in 14 of the last 18 years. You know, so somebody that's 18 years old has only missed the playoffs four times. You know, mm-hmm. by the time I was 18, we had missed the playoffs all but two years. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Well, so think of it, okay, in that, that same time period, the Seattle Mariners have not made the playoffs once. Yeah. Mediocre. Yeah. You want to talk about, right? So it's the golden, the 20, this is the golden the years of the Seahawks. 20 years since the Mariners have made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, can we, can we just stop with the, <laughs> with the, all right, you know. All right. So the <laughs> NFC West, that's, it's on the line. It's on the line this week. This is a big game. The Rams, um, Rams coming in, having just lost to the Jets. I kind of almost wish they didn't because they'll be ready mentally, I think, to not, to put that game behind them. We're going to get the Rams best game, right? Uh, we're going to get the Seahawks best game. We were going to get, we were going to get the Rams best game anyways yeah. because it's for the NFC West. Like even if they'd gone and blown out the Jets, do you really think they were going to come in against the Seahawks and like be overconfident and feel like they've got it? I don't because I they think know, that, you, you know, know here's a loss here's the deal for me is we lost to the Rams already this year. We're not going to lose to the Rams two times in one year. We're especially in a no. year like this where the NFC West is on the line. We saw last year what happened, right? 49ers came in, um, NFC West was on the line, and we ended up dropping the game. Um, I think that the players the, understand like one yard. The line. players understand the significance, I think, of these things. They've been there this before. It's an, it's an experienced team. Year. It's a playoff team. Uh, Russell Wilson's um, you can say what you want, struggles or not, whatever. He's a playoff caliber quarterback when the game is on the line in a highly charged situation. Man, I wish the 12s were going to be there. That This game would be oh, like absolutely. playoff atmosphere, no doubt about it. And and oh, the Seahawks could loud. definitely l- use their energy right now. But nonetheless, I think the Seahawks know the significance of this game. There's a lot riding on this game. There's a home field playoff game on the line. Everything, everything. So... These types of situations bring out the best in teams, and Pete Carroll has always had their teams ready to play in these types of situations. So, uh, and Cam Akers, I thought, was a key factor in this game coming in, and he's, he's not, not going to play. play. He's got a high ankle sprain. Um, he would have had a hundred and some odd yards and a touchdown in that game against the Jets. Probably would have changed everything, except for fifty of his yards got called back for three separate penalties, um, which which really diminished his ability to to be a factor in that game but i was a little worried about cam Akers in this game cam Akers is a, is is a special player and he, you know he was the guy that uh you and i talked about a lot in the pre-draft stuff because we we had a feeling that seattle was going to look at a running back um and they ended up with, with dj dallas much by the way the dj draft. dallas went out with a air cast on his leg turned out he had a 
a sprained ankle. Don't know how significant that is, but he's not at grade three. As of this morning, they announced it was a grade three, which is which is severe. Um, he's probably going to injure if he's done. But better than a break or better than torn ligaments uh, to the point where he needs surgery on him. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, getting Rashad Penny back uh, now with DJ Dallas uh, heading to IR, that's serendipitous timing. Fortuitous, absolutely. All right. So how do you see this game going? Like what's going to happen in this game, Keith? Well, okay, so this is a completely different matchup than it was the last time these two teams played. Uh, Seattle's defense is better, um, and you're looking at a a Rams team without, you know, probably their best offensive player with Cam, in Cam Akers. We didn't have Carson um, last time either. Yeah, we didn't have Carson. I don't think we had... Uh, we didn't have Hyde either. We didn't have... Yeah, we didn't have either of them. I don't... Didn't have did, Penny. Did Jamal, did Jamal Adams play? Jamal Adams went out in that game. That was a game he went Dunlop's out. Dunlop's first game um, as, as a Seahawk. So uh, it, you know, it, it comes Jordan down Brooks, to. Jordan Brooks, I think, was hurt too. Or, yeah, the, the, this is a different Seattle team with a much better defense uh, than the first time these two teams played. Uh, they've got some talent. I think um, Cooper Cup's going to give them um, some headaches because, well, he's Cooper I like Cup Cooper and that's Cup. what he does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he gives everybody headaches, um, and so they're going to be able to move move the chains here and there with him and and you know Brown and uh, Henderson at running back instead of Acres. They're they're decent still. Yeah, I mean they are. Um, their offensive line's not as good as it was uh, when Whitworth. Yeah, I mean their their offensive line's taken a step back. They've they've still got players around Goff. It comes down to you know which Goff shows up, and honestly he's. He's just okay. He's he's you know, been he's, he's a, proven to be a a horrible long ball thrower. He's a dink and dunk kind of guy. He's a game manager kind of quarterback, which is really all that the Rams have needed, um, considering their defense has been uh, you know a top ten defense in the NFL, top in the yeah. NFC West, and um, you know when you take a look at Aaron Donald and Ashawn Robinson in the middle, Fox and Brockers on the ends. Um, you know, Leonard Floyd and Jalen Ramsey on that defense. Their defense is kind of where it's at. Their offense, though, yeah. has always been able to score and move the ball and and uh, kind of keep up with teams and and they and they win. Uh, but I I don't know what to make of the Rams. I really don't. I think we should win this game. I feel like we should win this game. Yeah, I, I the Seahawks are are a better team defensively than the first time these two teams played. And it's not like the Rams had a ton of success against Seattle the first time. These well, and that played. was the game that Seattle kind of got clogged up on offense. One of the first times yeah. of the year that, that really we faced a defense and, and we kind of got beat. Yeah. And, and so that was where the problems were, was, was their defense versus Seattle's offense. Um, and it was also like, there were some issues there. They kept trying. They really wanted to go deep on every yeah, play. Yeah, and we didn't have but, a running game. Um, Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, really put the the skids on DK Metcalf, and there was no running game because there was no, um, you know, of the the Carson Hyde Penny trio. All three of them uh, were not active, and now you're going to have all three of them active in this game. So the the running game's going to be there. It's going to be better, um, and I think that will take some of the pressure off. Metcalf and Wilson and give them, you know, the opportunity to pick their spots a little more, do a little more underneath stuff. 
uh, and just have some more success. I It's going to kind of be like the Washington game in that it's going to be a schlog at times because the front four uh, is really good. And the the addition of Jalen Ramsey uh, at corner to, to um, frustrate Metcalf is going to be a thing as well. I'm kind of uh, looking but, forward to Lockett, though. You know, Lockett's been kind of under the radar this year, but he's got 85 catches. He's literally 10 catches away from having the most catches in a single season by any wide receiver in Seahawks history. Which is crazy because you just think of how much he's just been – He's just disappeared at times this he year. He has. Um, but he's also had some big and, games, and early on in the in the in the first part of the the year, he was he was on fire. Oh, and he just destroyed Arizona in both of those games. You know that the coaching staff and the defensive backs in in Arizona, like they have nightmares about Tyler Lockett. Uh, yeah. So in a game like this, <laughs> it sets up well for Lock, well for Lockett. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams actually pay more attention to Lockett in this game than they do. Medcalf, because you can leave Jalen Ramsey on Medcalf and double up on Lockett. And that really takes a lot away from Seattle because, you know, the focus on this game is a similar approach that I think that you would have against Washington, where you've got a stout defensive line. I think Seattle tries to run straight at them. If they're successful on the ground, Seattle wins this game going away, I think. If they struggle a little Mm -hmm. bit with the the ground game um, and you take away Medcalf with Ramsey and you double up on Lockett a little bit, you're going to depend on your tight ends and your third and fourth wide receivers to come through in this game. And um, I think that's going to be the approach that the Rams would have defensively against Seattle. Um, what do you think? Well, I, I think that you can do that to your own peril because, yes, you have Ramsey and he can can shut down Metcalf. But if you completely just say, here, go play him one-on-one because we're going to roll coverage to Tyler Lockett all day, you're going to give up some big plays to Metcalf because Wilson will throw it up and Metcalf will go get it, even when he's covered. And you have to give everybody help, um, no matter who they are, against against Metcalf. And so, sure, go do that. And and the Seahawks will hit a couple big plays and they'll get them out what of What do you think of the um, pass rush that the Rams have against Russell Wilson? I mean, that to me is the, is the deal. Can we give Russell Wilson it protection? Is. In fact, we have. The last two games, Russell Wilson has gone untouched, unsacked. He's gotten unsacked. He's only had, they had three quarterback hits last game, uh, but no sacks. And uh, honestly, they did that with a lot of Max Protect stuff. A lot of keeping Will Disley in to help Cedric Abuhay. Um, but if you get Shell back this right week, side. that can actually help. And open up your offense a little bit more. Have Disley be able to yeah. go out and because if you and if, they, if they can get Shell back, that really helps. And uh, actually, getting Olsen back helps too because now you can line up with um, you know two tight ends yeah. and uh, dictate some coverage that way, and then still have help and still have one of them go out and into. I think that actually and, opens up your passing game a little bit on first and second down. Is what that what yeah. that does. So you have you 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 do have some other options, and and being able to run the ball should help having Carson back and hide there. And, and it, that's just, it's all good for, um, for, you know, for Seattle's offense. I, I, I see this going Seattle's way. Um, you know, the, the first Rams game was, was really frustrating because it was poorly schemed by Seattle's coaches. Um, and I don't, I, I want to believe they're not going to make the same mistake. Do you think it's going to, what didn't do you think it's going to be a schlog and a low scoring affair or do you predict a high scoring game? 
I think it's going to be kind of somewhere in the middle. There's going to be some schlag elements to it because of the um, the Rams front four. It's going to you know kind of like the Washington game where there, there's going to be times when it are um, they going to be able to score it, points on Seattle? Seattle has gone four games um, in a row while allowing opponents less than twenty points. Granted, uh, they've been inferior opponents offensively, but nonetheless, Seattle's defense is playing really well. Yeah, um, they're gonna they're, they're gonna be able to score some because they're gonna be able to string together some drives, and you're gonna have guys like Robert Woods and and Cooper Cup be f- really frustrating if you're a a Seattle fan. And so, um, I expect this game to be you know kind of a mid scoring game where Seattle wins something like twenty seven twenty three. I was thinking the exact same score, Keith. I really was, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think Seattle can score twenty seven. Um, I wouldn't surprise me if Seattle actually scores more. They could get on a roll and score in this game against this defense. I just really do. I think for some reason I have a feeling that the Rams are, are slightly vulnerable right now. Um, they're really pressed. Their back's against the wall. Division's on the line. They have a lot of players that haven't been in that position before, right? And I just mm-hmm. think that Seattle has the ability here to kind of give them a knockout punch and score some points. Seattle hasn't been scoring a lot of points lately. Let's get back up into scoring some 30 some odd points and our defense is playing if, really well. If Seattle wins this, they clinch the division, but they also push the Rams to uh, 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 uh to, to a point where they might lose out in the playoffs against Chicago. And Chicago's two yet, two games behind them. Well, yeah, they get down to 9 and 6 and now it's they're playing their final game of the year against Arizona for their um, playoff lives. And both of those teams are fighting for their playoffs, playoff yeah, lives. Yeah. That becomes a, that becomes a, uh, a playoff game right there. It's a must win for both those teams. And that's a rough spot to be in. So they're <laughs> going to come out. They're going to do some things in this game, especially if, if the Seahawks get a lead, the Rams may start pulling out their trick plays and the, and the Rams are and, not a come from behind team. That's what I mean. Like they may they may pull pull out some weird stuff if Seattle gets a, gets a lead because they know they have to. They can't afford to lose this game. So Seahawks better be ready for the weirdness. Interesting. Wow. So Hecker could be one of those guys. <laughs> I hate I hate that guy. That punter. Uh, you know he's he's one of those guys. I think he's he's tricked us before in the past. Um, oh, you yeah. know what I mean. So. Oh yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, let's go get a win, man. Let's let's win this division. Oh, yeah. let's, let's get back it. up on Gotta top of it. the NFC West. It's been a little while, you know, and, and get a home field playoff game, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. get some advantage. I think having an advantage in the playoffs is understated, even without a crowd right now, not, in, not having to travel to a, a really cold weather place like Green Bay in the first round or back east again to Washington. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, you know... You can't pick your opponents or whatever, but to to play again against Washington, I I, I would take that matchup. But to travel back east again and and maybe be mm-hmm. a lot colder and more miserable back there in January, I don't. I'd rather play in Seattle. You might have some rain, but so Washington's at six wins. Do they get? They don't get past. They don't get to. They don't get to eight. Do I don't they? know, but the giant. Who knows? Giants. Well, here's Philadelphia the reason why still, I say that. Is you know there. Seattle's the only team that has ever made the playoffs with a, a sub 500 record. If we beat the in 2010, if we beat the Rams, there's a high likelihood that we could face the Rams in the wild card game. Ugh. There's like a 30, 
38 to 50% chance, I think, that we face the Rams in the wild card or some, at some point in the playoffs. I know. I know. It's crazy. But it is what it is. You get into the playoffs, you get the dance, you give yourself yeah. a chance. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So that Seattle's going to go there. We'll talk about more playoff stuff uh, in the next couple of weeks for sure. Especially after this mm-hmm. game, we'll really kind of know, we'll have a feel for where we're, where we're going to be at. So, um, But the, the important thing is we are already in the playoffs. We've already cinched that yep. up. So, all right. So find Heath on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the shows archived. And your favorite podcast app has our show every week in your feed if you subscribe. So do that. And you can find us on YouTube as well. We have a YouTube channel. Look us up. SeahawksPlaybook.com. And Seahawks Playbook Podcast is the name of the show. And uh, until next week, Keith, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.